Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. Like everything in life, if it's worthwhile, there is a cost. And it's worth paying if you want to get the prize. In today's program, we're going to see there is a cost to following Jesus, but it's small change to the glory you will receive. Our series is entitled, The Kingly Messiah, Understanding the Gospel of Matthew, Part 1, a verse-by-verse audio commentary, which is part of our larger Understanding the Bible series. And here we are, in Chapter 8 of the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus has already been baptized, tempted in the wilderness, began his initial ministry, then given the masterful Sermon on the Mount in chapters 5 to 7. And now in chapter 8, chapter 8 is about the man of action. And here we have not just the man of action, but we have the man of uh, action with the cost of following Jesus. And this is from chapter 8, verses 14 to 22. And here it tells us in verse 19 of Matthew 8, And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their dead. The cost of following Jesus. Well, I'm going to explain these verses a little bit more, but before you think Jesus is being incredibly callous to the man who wants to bury his father, just remember that the Hebrew language, like the English language, is full of idioms, expressions of speech. And it is very possible in this instance that this term, can I bury my father first, is not talking about a father that had just recently died. I will explain more just down the track. But it's interesting. People come to Jesus and say things like, I will follow you anywhere. And he's saying, well, please consider. If you think it's all love and glory and blessing, and it is, but there is a price. Even foxes have holes they can live in. The birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere even to put his head. Is that the kind of life you want? Natural uncertainty, but great spiritual glory. Let's face it, most people want natural certainty. They want to play it safe. They want predictability. They want convenience. They want comfort. Such as this will not understand nor receive much from the Lord, because ultimately it's not going to be very comfortable for the things of this world to follow Christ, but blessing, love, joy, peace, all these good things will be our portion. You really will not miss out on life's best. You just won't have the safety net of worldly comfort or worldly security. And you know what? You shouldn't be putting your confidence in worldly security to begin with. 
What security does this world have when you consider all the unpredictability, all the corruption, all the financial challenges, including massive Western debt and financial mismanagement? What about things like illness and plagues and superbugs and pandemics? I mean, in theory, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. Or what about some of the revived Cold War rhetoric coming out of the Korean Peninsula and other places like that? So if you're putting your security in the things of the world, you are building your life on the sand. That we learned at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. But if you're putting your confidence in God... You're hearing and doing the words of Jesus, then what's happening is you're building your life on the rock. And the winds, the waves, the floods, they can come and they can go. But you will still be able to do what you need to do and you will be flourishing and bearing fruit when others are not. These are the things we need to bear in mind as we look at the cost of following Jesus. And just remember, Jesus also exhibits a great compassion for those that are suffering, for those that are sick, for those that are dying. He's able to help them all. Those that are oppressed of the devil, he's got a special blessing waiting for them. All right, it's time to look at the entire portion of Scripture from Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 to 22. Our lesson is called The Cost of Following Jesus. The reference again, Matthew eight fourteen to 22. Let's listen carefully because, friends, this is God's word. And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities, and bare our sicknesses. Now when Jesus saw a great multitude about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus saith unto him, the foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their dead. Our reading is from Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 to 22. And the lesson is called The Cost Following Jesus. Well, let's begin with the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. We believe he was in the city of Capernaum. And for your information, at the site of Capernaum, which is an archaeological place, they have ruins that they are convinced are that of the mother-in-law of Peter's house. It's a looks like a pentagon or hectagon-shaped building, of course, all made from rock or stone. And there is a church built over it, a Catholic church. But amazingly, I've been hearing about this particular archaeological site for years, and there seems to be a great consensus. It is the place. So we have this mother-in-law of Peter, who lives at Capernaum, as did Jesus, who had his headquarters there. And though Jesus is paying a courtesy call, the lady is sick. Of course, he's with his disciples, and she is sick with a fever, but fortunately for her, Jesus came to the home. Now, just remember, when Jesus comes into your home, into your head, into your heart, into your life, 
You do not have a problem anymore. You have a solution. He is the solution for every longing, need, and desire. So what does he do? Matthew 8.15, many problems. He's the solution. Of course, he is motivated by compassion to heal the woman. He touches her hand and the fever leaves her. Once healed, Peter's mother-in-law rises up and in true Middle Eastern fashion, she shows hospitality. But it's interesting what the biblical text says. It doesn't say she got up and gave hospitality or served tea and biscuits. What it says is she got up and ministered unto them. Now, I believe she was showing normal hospitality, the tea, the biscuits, maybe a full meal, maybe a bed for the night, but it's all ministry, because ministry means to serve. To serve God or to serve people in Jesus' name is ministry. Whether it's a soaring sermon or whether it's tea and coffee after the service, it's all ministry, it's all Blessed of God, it's all important and honorable. Peter's mother-in-law became a minister, or at least she exercised a ministry she already had in her home by welcoming Jesus and his disciples. So in verse 16 of Matthew 8, there's an evening healing meeting. It reads that when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Isn't that wonderful? Cast out many with his word, healed all that were sick. Well, praise God that he was like that and still is. So, yes, why it was evening, I can't tell you. In fact, as far as I can see, any time people could get near to Jesus, they would. They wouldn't wait till the evening. I don't think it was because they had day jobs and then only in the evening they could come to him, but he was available in the evening. And therefore, as he was available, he then ministered to them. He spoke the word and the demons left. All who were sick were also healed by the word of faith. Praise God for that. But what Jesus did in the realm of healing was, of course, more than just good act and good deeds. What Jesus was actually doing was fulfilling Bible prophecy. We've learned that the Gospel of Matthew is about the kingly Messiah, son of David, son of Abraham, and that Matthew goes to great lengths to show how Jesus fulfills prophecy again and again and again. Obviously, Matthew has a high view of Scripture, just as Jesus has a high view of Scripture, just as all of us should have a high view of Scripture. When I say this term, high view, what I'm saying is we need to see it for what it claims to be and what it truly is, the Word of God. And we believe every word is inspired, letter is inspired, part of every letter of every word inspired, and we believe God, who is able to do anything and everything, nothing is impossible for Him. He is able to preserve and protect His Word through the centuries, through the millennia, and he watches over his word to perform it. So Jesus' healing ministry was a fulfillment of prophecy, as is written in Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. It says these words repeatedly in the Gospel of Matthew, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. Remember the prophets were not just godly men and honorable men and connected with the Most High God. The prophets had an accuracy rate of 100%. They were speaking for the Lord. 
So when the prophets say something, we should sit up and take notice. In this case, the prophet happened to be Isaiah. And he's quoting Isaiah, where it says, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. So what are we looking at? We're looking at Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. This is the chapter about the suffering servant. And it's such an uncanny resemblance to the passion and suffering of Jesus. It's amazing that people don't see the connection between Isaiah 53 and Jesus of the Gospels. But there you go. So in addition, in Isaiah 53, 5, it tells us that by his stripes we are healed. So we go from this fulfilled prophecy to Matthew eight eighteen. Jesus is going to the other side. He's ministered to the multitudes, but he doesn't want to be buttonholed or trapped by them. And when he saw that he was surrounded by this great crowd, he commanded his disciples to depart to the other side. Remember, at the Sea of Galilee, Jesus' ministry was from the middle of the western side to the north. That's from Magdala to the Mount of Beatitudes, and then from Mount of Beatitudes to Bethsaida on the north side. So he's part of the west and part of the north side. But the east side of the lake and the south, southwest side, he didn't minister. And the city of Tiberias, he probably never even put his toe in, though it was a major city of that time, and certainly within eyeshot of where he ministered. He goes to the other side just once. It's Gentile. That's why there's a herd of swine grazing on the hills. And the demonic activity was intense. Apparently, as we see in Matthew, it wasn't just one person affected by demons. It'll be more than one person. It'll be, in this case, two. Just like there'll be two blind men healed by Jesus in Jericho. Whereas in the other Gospels, it mentions one blind Bartimaeus. There's no contradiction, as we're going to see. Each gospel writer puts a different emphasis on a different thing, but everything they did, they did with truth and integrity and guided by the Holy Spirit. You can't get better than that. And so he's going to depart to the other side, to the east side. But in the meantime, a certain scribe comes to him and says, Master, I will follow you wherever you go. That's in Matthew eight nineteen. This is a normal thing to offer, Jesus. It's a good thing to offer. It's like Ruth to Naomi. Where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Very immortal words, of course, in the book of Ruth, chapter 1. So he's saying all the right things, this scribe. But Jesus doesn't make it easy. He tells the scribe in Matthew 8, verse 20, that the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So what is he saying? He's telling that the Son of Man doesn't live a normal life. In essence, the ministry of Jesus with great crowds, momentum, outbreaks of the supernatural was a revival atmosphere. Revival is something we desperately need, especially in the Western world that is straying so far from his biblical and Judeo-Christian heritage. But when revival comes, it's going to be full on. Our time will not be our own. There'll be a lot of natural uncertainty. We'll work long hours, 
There may be travel involved. You're not sure where you're going to be staying the next night and the next. I can relate to that. That's been part of what we do in our work and others the same. No complaints. It's part of the territory. And in fact, there's great blessing that comes from it. But the fact is you're not going to live a normal life following Jesus, a regular nine to five life. Then you go home, watch the television, eat dinner, fall asleep, that kind of thing. No, it's going to be different. But you know what? That's a really good thing. Because after all, we don't want to live a predictable, mundane life. And then there's the man that tells Jesus, I want to follow you, but first may I go and bury my father. Since the Lord is very honorable to the Ten Commandments, his reply is a bit puzzling. Follow me and let the dead bury their dead. Jesus believes in the Ten Commandments. He believes in the Law of Moses. The Law of Moses in the Fifth Commandment says, Honor your mother and your father. Why would he tell this guy to follow him and let the dead bury their own dead? There's a reason. It is highly possible that this man's father was not dead at all, very much alive. Bury my father could very well be a Hebrew idiom for let me take care of the family business, and when it's all complete, then I will go and follow you. In other words, when it's convenient for me, and I'm not going to have flack from the family, and when I shore up my savings and my investments, and when everything is hunky-dory and I've dotted every I and crossed every T, then I will follow you. Well, you know what? Jesus' reply is consistent. He invited James and John to follow him. And they were with their father Zebedee, mending nets. And remember, as soon as Jesus called, they dropped everything, the nets, walked away from the boats and their father to follow Jesus. Now, I know it seems a bit extreme, but they did do the right thing. This other guy was looking for an excuse to delay his enlistment. If you cannot respond to God here and now to what he asks, you possibly never will. For everyone that says yes, perhaps another 10 say no and live a lifetime, in some cases, an eternity of regret. Many are called, few are chosen because the chosen say yes when God calls. Our lesson is called The Cost of Following Jesus, and our lesson for life is wise people respond positively and promptly to the call of God. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education, and thank you for liking our page. Also go to our homepage and subscribe to the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter, giving you future-ready advice to your inbox monthly with articles from the Bible, Victorious Christian Living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the call of God, and we want to be chosen. We say yes. We make no excuses. We beeline to your presence. We report for duty. We will have no regrets when we do this, and I pray that the blessings will flow even immediately. Through Christ the Lord we pray. Amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.